0: This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit CanDoWealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence.
1: Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. Now that the Metropolitan Police have concluded their investigations into the Downing Street parties, all eyes in Westminster are turning towards the long-awaited Sue Gray report. It has been reported that Gray, who began her fact-finding mission as far back as December, has recently met with Boris Johnson to discuss Partygate, but any further details are few and far between. The BBC's Joe Coburn spoke to the Education Secretary Nadeem Zahawi to try to shed some light on the matter.
2: I'm asking you to explain
3: to to our viewers why the Prime Minister thought it was necessary to meet with somebody who could decide his political future. How do you think that looks unless we know for sure who called whom? The government says she summoned him and they talked about whether or not she was going to release photos with the report. She says he summoned her and no photos were discussed. What happened?
0: So all I'm saying to you is I don't believe that the prime minister meeting you've been around politics for a long time John you know civil prime minister with this res- I do
3: but this is a civil service all the time
0: a no civil service so you are creating a sort of a I say, a, a, a cloud of, of sort of uncertainty I don't around think this. I when am. when uh, there uh, isn't one
3: clear it up well, I am clear it you, up i have just clear said it to you, up for us right.
0: did did Boris
3: Johnson call Sue Gray let, or did Sue me, Gray say no, I'd way, like to have a meeting well, with well the
0: way I will clear it up for you is Boris Johnson has always said he will not interfere or intervene in, in Sue so Gray's what does investigation. So what does this look like? And he has can, not done that. Can you... How so do you I'm know? Clear, because he's absolutely on record as saying he won't do it and he's, he's reassured the country he won't do it and if there's any evidence of that, then tell me where, where you get that from. You're, you're, you're actually questioning Sue Gray's integrity because she would never allow it because Sue Gray, I've known her for years, I've worked with her, Sorry. is a professional and has the highest level of integrity. So you're now saying... Minutes ago, you told me you thought she was professional. and I'm and you asking questions
3: was... as to what happened yes. here to try and get to the bottom of it because right. transparency, yes. you have said and your government says, is yes. important. Some people, and when I talk about some people, viewers saying he was trying to influence what she put in her report. That's what they may think. And there is a Prime Minister who has said repeatedly there were no parties mm-hmm. at Downing Street and no rules were broken. We know now that's not true.
0: And it's the same Prime Minister that said he'll come to the dispatch box and actually explain after the police investigation. He did that. Uh, He will come to the dispatch box and explain after Sue Gray publishes her report. You agree with me that Sue Gray has the highest level of integrity and professionalism. She has gone wherever the evidence takes her, and she will make the decision as to what to publish. And I trust the process, and I trust Sue Gray to do the right thing because Sue Gray will never allow herself to behave in any other way. That's the whole point here.
1: Sophie Ridge also spoke to Zahawi and asked him about the
4: growing rumours that the government was planning a windfall tax on oil and gas companies. The Sunday Times reporting today that Rishi Sunak is planning a windfall tax on energy companies, uh, which could mean that they get lower rates uh, if they increase investment. Is that something that you would support?
0: So we will look at all the options. And uh, I, with the Chancellor and the Prime Minister and the Cabinet, will look at every option. Let's just think about your... The, the question of investment. So if you take what um, Shell are planning to do, £25 billion of investment in renewables and green, um, BP, £20 billion. they both already pay double the corporation tax. The corporation tax are 40% compared to what other sectors of the economy pay. Um, there is, it's, it's not a, a, a um, zero-cost option. Why do I say that? Because uh, if you apply a windfall tax they will probably have to reduce or take away their dividend. Who receives the dividend? Pensioners, through their pension funds. Right. Investment has to be real, which is what I think Rishi will demand of all these companies, and to see a roadmap towards that investment. We're not taking any options off the table. The important thing to remember is the £22 in the next 12 months is making a difference. So in April, the £150... Um, uh, uh, council tax rebate <laughs> went into people's accounts in October, another £200 uh, to bring down their uh, electricity So, so just to bills.
4: go back on the windfall tax, because mm. it's quite interesting, you know, in January you spoke about the windfall tax saying uh, that it's never going to cut it, but it feels like perhaps uh, if there are discounts available to encourage investment, your position could change. Is that, is that a fair sort of summary of where you're
0: at? So uh, I think, as I said to you, we have to be very careful and very sort of clear-eyed on this, that there is no, uh, you know, uh, zero-cost options mm-hmm. because if you uh, have a windfall tax um, in the way Labour were proposing it, and I think they were proposing another like £28 billion of but if of
4: borrowing... But if there are perhaps uh, things that would ca- encourage investment, you'd be prepared to look at it a bit more closely. So we want that.
0: to see their investment, but also just remember, it's pensioners who basically get the dividend from these companies and if they're going to cut their dividend because they've had a windfall tax, then that'll make a difference okay. to pensions as well. So there are no, no um, you know, easy options here, but the one thing we are determined to do is be on people's side Stop. on this.
1: Ridge asked about the case of Raheem Bailey, an 11-year-old boy who allegedly suffered racist bullying so badly that he lost his finger while trying to escape. Zahawi responded with some of his own personal experiences of being bullied.
0: It's sickening. Um, we always need to do more. Um, I suffered bullying when I first arrived on these shores. I couldn't speak English um, and it was hard. And, you know, I, I remember my, my first experience at... Uh, my first school was Holland Park School, being chased around the park uh, as a sort of uh, entertainment uh, for bigger boys and then throwing me in, in the pond, or dunking me, head down in the pond. Pretty horrific for a child who's just arrived on these shores.
4: And you think that was a racist element
0: to Well, not? I don't know. But. It was a long time ago, but I've certainly... Set, re, re, been at the receiving end of other racist uh, um, you know, slurs, words, whatever, you know, I was called a Paki at school, I had to explain that if they mean I'm from Pakistan, I'm not from Pakistan, I'm actually from a place called Iraq and I'm Kurdish of origin, it's called Kurdistan. Um, it's a horrible thing and I am determined to stamp it out, as I am determined to stamp out anti-Semitism in our schools or in our universities. There's no place uh, for racism anywhere in our society, let alone in education.
1: Ridge went on to interview the Shadow Chief Secretary to the Treasury, Pat McFadden, asking him about how secure Sir Keir Starmer was in his position as Labour
4: leader after Beergate. It does feel, after the Met have concluded their investigation, no more fines for Boris Johnson, that actually the person who's come out of this with their future more uncertain is actually Keir Starmer, because he's said, of course, that he will resign if he's found to have breached the law with the investigation that's going on by uh, Durham Police. Given the unpredictability of these fines, was that gamble really such a great idea?
2: Look, I think the statement he made the other week uh, showed real integrity and leadership. He's the former director of public prosecutions. He takes adherence to the law extremely seriously and... If you contrast that to the culture that's been exposed both by what the Met's uncovered and by what we're likely to see in Sue Gray's uh, report, you see that culture comes from the top.
4: Isn't this almost, you know, the point? Why has Keir Starmer put his future on the line in a way that he perhaps didn't need to?
2: Keir Starmer uh, holds public service and the standards of public service extremely highly. Uh, You know, he doesn't believe this notion that, well, they're all the same, no scandal matters, no shame matters, you can get away with anything. There's a real contrast in standards between what he's said and the way he's conducted himself through this. Remember, he also, this is someone who isolated four or five times, I think, when having COVID or family members have. He's taken adherence to the rules extremely seriously. and He's contrasting that with a culture that's been exposed in number 10.
1: Ridge brought up a piece that McFadden had written after Labour's election defeat in
4: 2019. Now, this was at the time of the leadership contest uh, to replace Jeremy Corbyn, and this is what you said. After Labour lost its third election in a row in 1987, Neil Kinnock launched a no-holds-barred policy review in which everything was on the table including the sacred cows, such as support for unilateral nuclear disarmament. He did that because he knew that fundamental change was necessary if Labour was to win again. And then he went on to say, after a shattering defeat, the key question is direction. It means having a policy platform that looks to the future. I just wonder if you feel like that, you know, genuine, no-holds-barred policy review has happened under Keir Starmer.
2: Well, I've always been clear that leadership wasn't just about a change of personnel, it had to be a change of direction to when you lost four elections in a row uh, you can't just go back with the same policy platform and uh, a person in a different suit and expect the electorate to, uh, to take a different attitude so I'm very much in favour of root and branch examination of things but if you take the Green... that's happened? That if if you, take, branch... well, you take the example we've been discussing mm. this morning on the Green Agenda, there I think you've got an ambitious programme for a transition that's going to happen anyway, but I want us to be hungry for change in every area, in education policy, in health policy, learning the lessons of the Covid experience, what can we do better in the future? Do you think you've been radical enough in in providing that opposition? Well, we'll only know the answer to that when we come to the next election, but I think there is a hunger for change in the Labour Party now. It feels like you'd like
4: to go a bit further.
2: We've always got further to go because... When you've had such an emphatic defeat as the one that we had in 2019, uh, the worst thing you could do is to think one more heave was going to do it for you. One more heave won't do it for us. We've got a new leader, but we also need a new direction too.
1: And finally, the CEO of Eon UK, Michael Lewis, spoke to Coburn about trying to deal with soaring energy bills.
3: Let's stick with the customers for the moment. They're they're, they're in touch with you. They're already talking to you about it. What are you saying to them? What reassurance can you give them?
2: Well, there's several things we we
0: try and do. We have a a number of schemes we can help, for instance, the Warm Home Discount Scheme, the Eco Scheme, where we can help with energy efficiency. uh, And we try and identify those customers who are really struggling. And we have the Eon Energy Fund, where we can make direct payments to them. So there's a whole host of things we can do directly. But the scale of this is simply too big for us to manage at the moment.
3: Right, so you are in a situation where you feel you can't manage it with the millions of customers that you're talking about.
0: Indeed, the, the scale of this, right. as I said, is unprecedented and that's why we're calling for more intervention from government.
1: That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffeehouse Shops podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily Evening Blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening and do join us again next week.